Mueller and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Tuesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Continuing with our once and for all settling this for good debate week. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. And between us, we have a decade of NFL experience. I'll leave that to you in between to us, out the rest. In between us, one of us. Is a pond hockey legend and with be- amazing yeah, hair. I was good. Between the two of us, one of us really needs a haircut. I mean, really, <laughs> really needs a haircut. But again, we'll leave that all to you guys to figure out. That's up for your imagination. You know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next two hours, you know where to find us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. What up, Mozi? Chillin', baby. How are thou? I'm good. You know, this weather, it's got me feeling some type of way. You know, I feel like we're, we've finally broken through the typical Western Pennsylvania, you know, the rain and the overcast that, Very true. that comes in May and early June. We've you, broken through to good weather, and I'm you know, oddly rocking enough, and rolling. I'm not even going to lie. We've had some really good weather. We have. That's the crazy part. It's been high 70s. We just haven't been able sunny. to appreciate it because there's some other things going maybe, on. Maybe now, maybe you've hit on it more there. But man, the weather has actually been very nice. I was, you know, uh, I was laughing yesterday because uh, our dear friend Adam Crowley, who I was producing his show yesterday. The crowd man? Um, you know, he was all fired up about baseball yesterday because the crowd man loves baseball. I mean, he, he said he's the perfect guy for baseball. <laughs> what, 29? Yeah, baseball father. Can't, you can't lose the 29-year-old yeah, father. That's the demographic that baseball can't lose. Yeah, that's what Crowley was preaching about yesterday uh, for, uh, for three hours, his show 4 to 7 on ESPN Pittsburgh. Check him out there. He does a great job. But, you know, all this baseball talk yesterday and all this nice weather, Motsi, I'm rocking the Roberto Clemente jersey I, I here today. We, we talked you about it. You got the Pirates hat on, too. Dude, I didn't even, it wasn't even planned. <laughs> I just had these red J's I wanted to put on. I said, oh, this Pirates fit, it goes perfect. But, yeah, you know, anytime. And you got the, the, the old school, like, the not the new Nike jerseys. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. this is a Majestic yeah, or whatever that, that's the like name the, the, was. the real deal. Yeah. yeah. Majestic Major League Baseball. And I was going to say, it's cool funny. Base. I literally have the exact same jersey like that, the the script on mm-hmm. it, the gray. It's got to Diff- say Pittsburgh. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. It says Pittsburgh. Difference is, I go the custom route. I just got most 55 on mine. Okay. Because we because all, you know they're not going to trade yeah, yeah, away yeah, yeah. most 55. <laughs> I, I said, since I've been here, man, they didn't have, what, two, two different 55s, three different 55s? Mm-hmm. I can't keep up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to avoid all of that, I just go custom and I'm good. Yeah, that's where, like, I've told, uh, listen, I've said this on the show before, like, about, I don't know if I'll ever buy another Steelers jersey, right? Because I, I'm never, I'm going to rock the 43 forever. I don't know if I'll ever buy another Pirates jersey either. I got this nice Clemente jersey. What, what do I need another jersey for? I'm, you rock, know, funny I'm rocking thing, and rolling, baby. The only, I was actually looking at the new jerseys, and I was like, they are nice. I, I like them, but I only like them if I can customize it to say most on the back. Okay. But it has to be the stitched one too. It can't be the iron on. Yeah, you guys have to be stitched, and not the shirt. Not you know how they got the ones where it's no buttons, just the uh, like like, almost like a pullover. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want that either. It has to be the buttons. I gotta look like I was on the field. Yes. Even though I would never be on the field, I gotta look like I was on the field. (laughs) How do you feel about the swoosh? I mean, we're going, we're we're going off the rails here quickly. But the swoosh on the baseball jerseys—that was a big point of controversy. What you talking about the Nikes? Yeah, because you know, don't 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 swoosh it. The Nike check. 
the Nike check. Put you some know, respect on it. Because normally in the past it was a little thing on the sleeve. But, but, but let's be real. The, let's the be real. check is right well, on the who, chest. Who's a bigger brand? Oh. Nike or Majestic? Full. So do you think not Nike, close. all the major sports that Nike has endorsed, you think they're not going to get their logo out there? You think they're going to be satisfied with just having this little two-inch logo on the arm? Nah, buddy. They putting that thing right across the chest, and you notice they put it on the right side, not the left side, I want to say. Mm -hmm. So when you do the Pledge of Allegiance, it's not covering it up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's on the, uh -huh. it's on your right yes. shoulder. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep, strategic, man. Man, that, that Nike. They because, leave no stone Because think unturned. about it. When you get all the pictures of people doing the National Anthem, especially with the hat across your mm -hmm. chest, it could block the logo. That's true. They're not losing that. Come on, baby. And some of the most iconic pictures happen then as well. Nike leaving no stone unturned. Let's go, Nike. Uh, that, that's why they are where they are. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, we leave no stone unturned this week. It's our once and for all settle this for good debate week, right? Yesterday we talked about the best, the greatest wide receiver in Pittsburgh Steelers history. We use that to kind of as a springboard for conversation to talk about wide receivers in the AFC North as well. We're going to do that same thing today, but with pass rushers. Uh -oh. Ooh. But before we get to that, before we get into some of the specifics, some of the Steelers specifics and division specifics, I've got a question for you to start us off today, Arthur Motes. Uh-oh, uh-oh, here we go. I guess we could call this, I don't know if word association is the right thing, but I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to give me the first thing that comes to mind, first name or two that comes to mind, okay? You sure you want to do this right now, man? I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a fragile state right now, I man. I want to do this right now. Who this, knows what might is, come up? Don't worry. This isn't going to fire you up or anything. This is All just, right. you know, this is another one of those inquisitive Wesley Euler questions that normally I'd say for okay. three question Thursday, but uh, what I, else I, do we have to talk listen, about? I get fired up easily right now. Be careful. Proceed with caution. <laughs> Arthur Motz, I, I heard an interesting conversation yesterday about, of all the players in the National Football League, right? Mm-hmm. If I were to ask you who you think that hasn't won an MVP trophy, okay, so you can't say Lamar Jackson, you can't say Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, who is a future MVP in the National Football League that does not have one yet? Hold on, say that again? A future MVP. Who hasn't won one yet. So you who can't hasn't say won Patrick one. Mahomes right, or Lamar right, Jackson. Who's, who's in the National Football League right now that you think could be a future MVP but you can't say Mahomes or Lamar, the guys that have already won them. Yeah, off the top of my head, I would probably go Drew Brees. It's because I still think that, I mean, you see in the past three years, he's been in those conversations. Granted, last year he missed a good amount of time through injury, but he still was on that level. But the thing is, he's never won one. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy. It is crazy. It's cra he got a Super Bowl MVP. Mm -hmm. He has an AP Offensive Player of the Year, but has never won a MVP, regular season MVP. So I would go him off the top of my head and then – Thinking about some of the young guys. Yeah, hot take here. I think Michael Thomas, receiver. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I remember the year when A.B., he was getting a lot of interest mm -hmm. in terms of potentially winning it. Obviously, he had some the, the quarterbacks had the injuries and stuff like that, and that kind of put a damper on his season. But I think Michael Thomas, when you're pairing him with a Drew Brees for a full season, you already know he's a volume catch guy as well. So I definitely think that he could be one. So, see, this is where you and I – it's like we have ESPN or something. Uh -oh, uh -oh. We're always on the same wavelength because I have two different answers than you, but parallel yours very well. I have a veteran quarterback who's mm -hmm. never won an MVP, and I have a young skill position player. Mm. Russell Wilson Ooh. was the first name for me that he came to mind. He doesn't have one. You're right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Russell Wilson was which the is first crazy. name, which is insane. And while I really like your Drew Brees one, because I, yeah. I, I think – I mean, those those guys are both future Hall of Famers. 
I think Russell Wilson still has more years, obviously. He's right. 31 years old as opposed to Breeze, who's on that, that other side of 40. But I like the dynamic there of you go Breeze, I go Russell Wilson. You go Michael Thomas. How about Christian McCaffrey? Ooh, okay. It's been, what, since Adrian Peterson was the last time we had a skill pl- a non-quarterback win MVP? Yeah. Man, Christian McCaffrey, they're going to ask him to do a lot in that offense in Carolina. Without a doubt, man. Uh, if he puts up crazy numbers, why not? Without a doubt. And the thing is, I definitely think he could. I just know when we're talking running backs, how hard it is to consistently. Sure. you got to play all 16 games. Correct. Like, that's that's tough to do. you got to be close to 100 yards rushing every game. And I saw just the impact that Le'Veon had. And that was him with a, a full lineup, you know, a, a quarterback that was a beast, receivers that were a beast, often like everything was in place. Carolina's offense is not to that same standard. So it's only so many times that you can be the main target every play before the defense catches up with you and finds a way to minimize sure. you. And that's the only reason why I think for McCaffrey is going to be a lot harder to do. I, I think that's a fair point, certainly. He will be the the star of that show, but he'll also be the one that all the defenses and defensive coordinators are focused on. And, and, and um, this is the thing. The one benefit that he has, because his, his situation last year was very similar to what Le'Veon had last year. The difference is he has the breakaway speed that if something goes wrong, he can get out of it, where Le'Veon lacks that, which is why you didn't see the explosive plays from Le'Veon last year. But both of their offenses are very similar in terms of, well, he's going to have Teddy Bridgewater now, so young mm-hmm. – Decent quarterbacks, but you don't really they're, – they're not superstars just yet. Serviceable, capable. Correct. They're professional. Like we talked about Tyrod Taylor. They're professional quarterbacks. Yeah, so when you factor in that, I just think that was the difference. I mean, with, with uh, McCaffrey, he's able to make one guy miss. It can go to the house, whereas Le'Veon lacks that top-end speed, and that's why you would see the difference. Even though Le'Veon was making guys miss with the Jets, he didn't have that capability. But both of those guys were the main focal point of the offenses, which is why they get all the attention. Think Saquon Barkley. He's another guy in mm-hmm. that same vein, that same mm-hmm. boat. But like I said, with those guys having that type of speed, and I will say this, I'm leaning a little more towards a Saquon than McCaffrey just because Saquon's playing in New York. The market he plays in. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we know <laughs> for a, a big fact. Deal. They can have the same. We, we talked about this with TJ Gilmore versus Chandler Jones and Shaq Barry this year. You can have similar numbers or slightly worse numbers. If your market is bigger, you're getting all the media attention, you're going to get the votes. TJ have 15 sacks this past season? 14 and a half. 14 and a half? Yes, 14 and a half. And Shaq Barrett had 19, 19 and, a half. and a half. And then uh, Chandler Jones had what? Seven, no, 17 and a half or 18? 17 and a half. They were only like one or two apart. If TJ yeah. Watt had 19 and a half sacks, he's, he, he's NFL Defensive Player of the Year. It's not even it's close. Not even He'd close. probably be unanimous. It's not even close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, again, you're right. Just the eyeballs, the market. I, I think that's a fair point by you. All those things play in. I do wonder, though, the kind of dynamic of, like when we talk about a guy like Lev, right, mm-hmm. who was stirring the drink for, for that just phenomenal Steelers offense. Then we talk about a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who's going to be stirring the drink but is going to uh, not have as much, not be surrounded by as much talent as Lev Bell was. Do you think in some ways, right, and again, it all comes down to the productivity, but for guys like Saquon Barkley, guys like Christian McCaffrey, if they can persevere through that, Mm -hmm. where a lot of the media people almost come around and where they say, where they knocked Lev for saying, right, oh, well, yeah, but he's got Ben Roethlisberger and he's got Antonio Brown and he's got one of the top two or three, you know, offensive lines in the National Football League. 
where if McCaffrey and Saquon are still able to produce with defenses queuing on them, you know, sports writers, sports voters could say, oh, well, look, these guys have no help and they're still right. getting it done. Yeah, man, they could definitely make that argument. I just know as a, a former professional athlete, we've seen and I've played against guys who were elite talents, guys who were just dominant. And when they don't have anybody else to help, it catches up to you. I, I remember uh, Jamal Charles. Hmm, he was another example. one. Extremely talented. Could take it to the house. When he was on, he was on. Priest Holmes. No question. Before him. Yeah. But the thing is, when when teams are able to catch it, because you usually get one season or even a season and a half where, hey, if you're the only guy there, you can make an impact. But after that, Teams start to catch up, and they understand how to scheme you. They understand how to operate to minimize you as well. And then also you got to factor in the health element. We saw that with Kamara this year. I mean, it was times that when, when Drew Brees went down that Kamara still trying to do it, but he was banged up. And that catches up to you as well. And especially when you're talking about these smaller body guys who are built on speed and athletic ability, less power. That does play – that plays yeah. a, a, a role in this. So you got to make sure that he stays healthy on top of it. So it's a lot that goes into it, and there's a lot of other variables. But hopefully, if Teddy Bridgewater could come in and be an upgrade for him at quarterback – because you got to remember, McCaffrey was doing this last year with, with Kyle Allen as mm -hmm. his quarterback. He don't, I think he had Cam for maybe one game. One or two. One or two tops, yeah. and he still wasn't like Cam Cam. So if you're looking at Teddy Bridgewater, if he could potentially open that offense up a little Just bit a little more bit. with his arm and his legs, him. then, yeah, mm -hmm. then, then he could definitely have a bigger impact. I like it. We'll have to, uh, you know, when we get closer to the season and we get back into, or maybe this Friday, when we get that paper. Hey! We'll have to look and, we'll have to look and see what some of the odds are for some of these guys. Oh, and, you wildin' and, wildin'. And see, see how you we go wildin', from there. Wildin'. Well, if you think we're wild and wild, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into it when we come back. So yesterday on the program, right, Arthur Motes, we did division talk mm -hmm. before we did Steelers history talk. Yes, I said we flip it today. Ooh, Steelers history first. Okay, let's and then do we'll it. talk the division. I'm with it. I'm with so it. So when we come back here, Arthur Motes and I, we settle it once and for all. Who's the greatest pass rusher in the storied history? of the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. That is our topic du jour today. Hey. Get those thoughts in, questions, comments, concerns, reactions on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 The Body. We embrace debate next. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. It's settle this once and for all week here on the program. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, Euler and Motes, Steelers Blitz, Electric Factory, whatever you call it. Whatever you want to call it. We're, uh, we're doing this once and for all, embrace debate, settle these arguments for good, right? Yesterday, it was the wide receiver day. Who was the greatest one in the National Football League? Or in the National Football League. That would have been a much, that would have been a much more <laughs> in-depth conversation. In the storied history of the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise, uh, wide receiver, certainly one of those positions that the Steelers have just been blessed with talent and Hall of Famers and all pros. Certainly pass rusher is right there with them. So, Arthur Motes, yesterday we were on the same wavelength. We said the greatest Steelers wide receiver ever was Heinz Ward. Mm -hmm. The best Steelers wide receiver ever was Antonio Brown. Oh, man, this one today, this is even more difficult. I mean, 
I had to go ten deep on this list, Arthur Moses. Ten deep. Ten deep. Because there were so I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave some guys off this list. Ooh-wee. Yeah, man, this is like this is so tough. There, I mean, some of these names: the, the Debo, and the Green, and hey, the man. Greenwood, and the Moats, and the Hayward, and hey. the Peasy, and Woodley, hey. and Greg Lloyd, and T.J. Watt, and Keith Willis, and Jason Gildon. I'm probably skipping somebody. It's 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 been a uh, what a time. It's been a bountiful position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh no question, man. That's for sure. And and I think too, Arthur Motes, we should preface this right that it is it's not as straightforward as the wide receiver discussion, right? Because there's four three defenses. There's the transition to the three four. A lot of these guys, right? Like LC Greenwood, sacks weren't even an official stat when they were right when he was playing when yeah. they were doing their thing when they were in their prime. Yeah. So it's it's there's a lot of moving parts here, but Arthur Motes, who's going first? I know how this normally works. Oh, all right, man. you know we go we go beauty before age here on the all program. Right, Wait, what right. happened? All right, so so you got a whole ten piece, huh? I got a whole ten piece. I do one to ten, and I even put a couple honorable mentions on there as well too. I like it. Now, do you want to <laughs> you release your top ten? And then I go my top ten, or do you want to go who you have at each spot and go that way? I think like we, we should... go back and forth. Ooh, okay. How about this? How about we start with our first, okay. who, who we have number one? We'll discuss mm-hmm. that for a minute, and then we'll give the rest of our list. All, All right. right. Who you got number one? No, 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 no. You don't just ask me who I have number one. You go first. Okay, I know. You know how we do this. You go Beauty first. before age. And then I, know, and then I, I get, get a chance to just, uh, yeah, I, know, yeah, I get it. See how crazy you are today. I get it. I get to put myself out there, and Motes either gets to prop me up or yeah. chop me down. All right, Arthur Motes. Fine. You want to put me on the spot? You want to make me do this first? Maybe yeah. we'll get into this right away. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is Kevin Green. Okay, and I know you can say of his 160. 160. Yeah, that is nuts, bro. Career sacks. 35 and a half of those came in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I get it. The 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 lion's share of his numbers came elsewhere. But you know what, Arthur Motes? Kevin Green is in the Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Honor. Okay? And there's a three-year rule. If you look at the bylaws of the Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Honor, you have to have played for the Pittsburgh Steelers or been a part of the organization for at least three seasons. Let's yes. call that the Kevin Green rule. And so if they've got a Kevin Green rule for the Steelers Hall of Honor – I don't need to parse this with, oh, well, he had the best, the greatest pass rusher in Steelers history. He's in the Hall of Honor with 160 of them things is Kevin Green. Oh, man. See, this is this is, this is is the unique part about this debate because, for me, I'm a big-time Kevin Green fan. Like, the dude was a flat-out monster. Ooh. Every organization he went to, he absolutely dominated, played with passion, Fury. Then he went on to dominate as a coach <clears throat> as well, man. So <clears throat> when I look at that, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And I think the reason why on the defensive side of the ball, this is a lot more difficult to break down than offense. On offense, all those guys only played for the Steelers. Think about, I mean, we talked about AB, his one catch or his one touchdown was from Tom Brady. We only played in one game. Everything else was with the Steelers. When we talk about the greatest Steeler, I mean, Kevin Green, like I said, three seasons here in Pittsburgh. The rest are with the Rams and with the Panthers. So when you factor in that, I'm just like, all right, I I know. I mean, from a career standpoint, yes. Career-wise, was a beast, without a doubt. But when I think of just the greatest Steelers pass rusher, 
That's the difference. That's okay. the difference. The Kevin Green rule, Hall of Honor. He's in the Steelers Hall of Honor. <sighs> Where'd you go? I know right. where you went. All right. I think. All right. <laughs> because that same argument that I'm making about Kevin Green. Uh-oh. It's the same argument of, of another guy that I'm supporting on this list. Uh-oh. Oh, man. My 5-5 five, five brother. Because I just love what he does. I mean, was it 98 career sacks, I want to say? Mm-hmm. Could just flat out ball. Did it in multiple organizations as well. 60 of them with yeah, the Steelers. Yeah, you know 5-5. Five, five, that's my guy. That is my guy guy. <sighs> but, you know, if I got to say the greatest Steeler, man, I got to go Debo, man. Come on, baby. <laughs> How could I not go Debo? First off, that's my, my, my running mate, man. Four years, man, we was doing our little thing out here in Pittsburgh, man. And I was I was fortunate enough to be there in, in, in witness history, man, when he did break the Steelers' career sack record, man. It was an awesome thing to be a part of, understand everything that had transpired going into that season with him personally. I mean, dude, when we're talking about just Steelers, and we're talking about Steelers defense. We're talking about Steelers pass rushers. James Harrison is synonymous with that. He is. I mean, without a doubt. And the thing that I love is this, man. Not only from a statistical standpoint does he have the 80 and a half sacks. I mean, that speaks for itself. But, dude, when you look at how long he played here, I'm a big fan of longevity. And I understand that can be counterproductive to him when you're making the argument of who's the best player because we talked sure. about that. If we're talking about the best rusher up here, I'm going Kevin Green or I'm, I'm, I'm going Kevin Green or I'm going Joey Porter before I go James Harrison. But when we're talking about just the greatest stealer, he has the hardware. He has, what, two Super Bowl rings here in Pittsburgh. He was a part of some of the most elite defenses in NFL history. He's a part of one of the first defenses to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Think about that, man. So, he's got the individual awards as well, too. Yeah, and then, and, then, of the year. and then he was also, the only, like I said, defensive player of the year, one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. He also has one of the hardest NFL cover. I mean, not even an NFL cover, but one of the hardest magazine covers known to men where he's in front of men's, I was gonna say, the the men's health, health okay. magazine, no shirt on, tattoo showing with two guns. Like, that's crazy. While being an active player. Crazy. When I'm thinking about all that and, and the he's fact. he's got the best nickname. Debo, but the fact that on top of all these things, he was doing this while going up against the commissioner. We forget that he was one of the guys very outspoken. In fact, there was a quote by him that said if a certain individual was on fire, he wouldn't (laughs) use a certain set of bodily fluids to (laughs) extinguish said fire. That's what this young man did. That's what he said. And for me, you know, like I said, as much as I love Peasy, I used to do Peasy's little kick celebration, man, when I was in high school. It was between him and Sean Merriman. Those were my two guys. I was either lightsing it out or I was kicking the dirt on you. But when I, I when I got to the NFL, man, and, and, I, and you've heard the story before, I got to mm-hmm. the NFL and I was like, man, I need to see who's a guy that's, you know, right around that six foot, six foot one frame that's undersized as a pass rusher. And Debo was one of the guys that I looked at, him and Clay Matthews, and literally watching him, studying him every single day, then being able to see how he works every single day coming to Pittsburgh, bro. Come on, man. I, for me, it's clear the greatest Steeler pass rusher is James Harris. Crazy James Harrison stat for you, and Steelers related too. Uh, James Harrison has 33 forced fumbles in his Steeler career. Oh, yeah, you, you know when he gets his sack, you see him put the underhook in you. After that, man, he's coming up for the strip sack. Nobody else besides Greg Lloyd in Steelers history even has more than 20. 
James Harrison's got 33. Greg Lloyd has 34. No one else in Steelers history even had 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, yeah, that's – listen, oh, uh, without giving too much away here, I had Debo number two on my list. Mm, so, I mean, okay, okay, okay. So, so he's right there. Uh, yeah, and that was the discussion point for me too, Motes, was what they did in the black and gold, right, versus the body of career. And what James Harrison did in the black and gold, I mean – He's got the most sacks in franchise history. Like you said, the team accolades, which are always important in these conversations, the individual accolades, which are always important in these conversations. That's a tough one. I mean, those, oh, without a doubt, bro. those guys, and that's, again, when we get into the conversation of, okay, are you talking just what they did in their Steelers career? Or are you talking what they've done overall? So, like, where did you have Kevin Green on your list? So, this is my thing. So, when I got to ranking it after that, I said I think it's clear cut. James has to be one, but from there I had Kevin Green at two. Okay, and do I go to the rest of my list? Because I can do that. Well, we'll do that after the break here. Okay, because yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just this is my issue. I, I feel like because he had such a smaller sample size in Pittsburgh, it's hard for me to put him at number one versus a guy who sure. played. Sure, was it fifteen years here in Pittsburgh? And I just looked at it as Kevin Green has double the career sacks oh, yeah, with, as Debo, and that's why I said if we're, if we're talking best, if we're talking best player, shoot, <laughs> Hall of Honor, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall. Yeah. Like, like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Hall of Honor, he's Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, he's I think third or fourth yeah, in the NFL most sacks all in time, history. right? Because I'm like, if we're just going off who has more sacks, Joey Porter has I think uh, eighteen or nineteen mm-hmm. more sacks than mm-hmm. Debo. And I definitely felt like Peasy was the more electric rusher. But when we're talking about just in Pittsburgh, I mean, it's kind of like the Heinz Ward argument the, we made yesterday. Yes, right. Like, if, we're, if we wanted to go who's the better talent, we know it's not even close. It's A.B. And we know what he was able to do over that sample size is A.B. But when we're talking about Steelers receivers, when we're talking about the guy that is leading in every statistical category, every major st- uh, statistical category for a receiver, it's Heinz Ward. Because of the longevity that he had here. So I think that's what I mean when we're talking about greatest stiller receiver, greatest yeah. stiller pass rush. Pass I, rusher, excuse I, me. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Kevin Green, third all-time on the NFL sack leader list. Bruce Smith, Reggie White, Kevin Green. Uh, that's, that's insane. Julius Peppers and Chris Dolman round out Pep. your top five there. Pepper's a dog. Strahan right on the tail. Jason Taylor. Then Suggs comes in at eighth. DeMar- I always forget DeMarcus Ware's in the top ten at nine. And then our guy John Randall mm. tied for tenth with, with Richard Dent as well. <laughs> it, it's, 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 a, it's a good discussion. You know what I mean? Like This is why we like to have these discussions. This is why we want your feedback on Twitter. I need to look to see if there was any overlap with uh, Kevin Green and Peppers down in Carolina. Ooh, there had to have been, right? I want to say it was, right? Because Pep got, what, 15, 16 in? I believe so. Because hmm. I was just thinking to myself, like, looking at some of <laughs> Kevin's numbers down there, I'm like, dude, you know how crazy of a tandem that would be? Do you know what year Peppers came into the league? Uh, I am not sure. Because it was just his last year. It was uh, 98 and 99 he was done. Correct. And Peppers was drafted by the Carolina Panthers in 2002. Ah, okay. Yeah, so he missed him. I mean, think but about that this. Been, that would have been insane. Dude, think about this. Kevin Green's last season in the NFL. <laughs> I'm looking at this he right now. He had 12 now, sacks. <laughs> he had his last four seasons in the NFL. Dude. Double-digit sacks. 14 and a half, 10 and a half, 15, 12. Why did you retire? 
<laughs> like, what, what are we doing? You were 37. You could have played till you was 40. He had 15 sacks in 15 games at age 36. What? That's insane. Dude, dude. Literally, let's see, from 92, he only had one season where he didn't get double-digit sacks, and he still had nine. It's insane. I mean, it's- 10, 12 and a half, 14, 9, 14 and a half, 10 and a half, 15, 12. Crazy thing is this, though. The two years he led the league in sacks, he had 14, 14 and a half. The year he had 15 sacks, he didn't even lead the league I in know, sacks. He had 16 and a half sacks twice in, with the Rams and, and never lead. led the league That's in sacks. crazy. You know what else is crazy? The, the dude was 32 years old before he was a first-team All-Pro. What else? Yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. And how is the guy, Motsi, that's third in the NFL in all-time sacks was only a first-team All-Pro twice? So what are we doing here? But what I need to know during that time, who were the other guys out there? Because I'm sure you got Reggie White. Sure, you're gonna have some of these other like Bruce Smith, yeah, some of these Daryl Talley, right? And, and and they were kicking butt. We know that they were kicking some butt. All right, so we'll get into the rest of our list here. All right, so I got Kevin Green one, Debo two. Moats has Debo one, Kevin Green two. I think we could all agree on that. But where do we go after here? Oh man, there's some interesting cases. Dylan, Dylan, and Dylan. We got to talk about you know where does LC Greenwood fall because sacks weren't an official stat while yeah. he was playing. Where, but where he does was Arthur Motes fall? You know where does I mean? Arthur Motes fall? Yeah. How do we rank a guy like T.J. Watt who has had a short career but a phenomenal one so far? We'll get into all of that as we roll along here. Keep those tweets coming at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, wrapping up the first hour here of the Steelers Blitz. It's pass rusher day. It's my favorite day. Yeah, Arthur Motes' favorite day as we roll along here with our once and for all settle this for good Debate week, picking some of the debates that Steelers fans have amongst themselves while they're tailgating, while they're hanging out with their family, while they're enjoying a couple cold sodas at the bar. La Brewskis. And of course, one of those debates, Arthur Motes, is who's the greatest pass rusher in Pittsburgh Steelers history? In the last segment, we kind of gave our piece on why we think, hey, you could argue for having them in either order, but it's Debo and it's Kevin Green. One or two, whichever way you put them. Motes and I have at least agreed to agree on that. Now I think is where it can get interesting here, Motsy. Uh-oh. So, all right, I'm going to go first here, okay? We'll give the rest of our lists here, and then we'll kind of debate some of these guys and where they fit in. And we've gotten a bunch of tweets on this already, so keep them coming here. We will get to your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions in our number two. So I had Kevin Green number one. I had Debo number two. Number three, right on Debo's heels as the uh, franchise Number two leader in terms of sacks, Jason Gilden with 77 of them fangs in the black and gold. I've got him at number three. Number four here, this was the hardest for me, and I want to get, when we're done going through these lists, I want to get Motsi's opinion on this specifically. But I've got TJ Watt at number four. 34, get this, 34 and a half sacks in 47 games in three years in the black and gold, right, on his rookie contract. Kevin Green, who we just talked about, is third overall Mm -hmm. in NFL sack history, who's a Hall of Famer, who's in the Steelers Hall of Honor. If T.J. Watt gets one sack in his next game, in the Steelers' Mm -hmm. first game of the year, if T.J. Watt gets one sack, he will have the same exact total as Kevin Green through 48 games in Pittsburgh. 
Kevin Green, 48 games in Pittsburgh, had 35 and a half sacks. TJ Watt, 47 games in Pittsburgh, has 34 and a half sacks. So if you're telling me that through three, the first three years in, in the league, and I think he's only going to get better, TJ Watt, he's mm-hmm. just scratching the surface of what he could become, that he's already matched essentially Kevin Green's numbers? Dude, TJ Watt is going to be an absolute beast i've got him at number four i know i might be putting the cart ahead of the horse we need to see it Mm -hmm. happen with tj first but i'm that confident number five i've got lc greenwood again he's tough to pin down because sacks weren't an official stat until the 80s arthur motes but i've seen a lot of football historians if you will right people who really study these things who have really watched the tapes people like bob labriola right who have just been doing this forever they estimate and i love this it's so specific that lc greenwood would have had 73 and a half sacks with the pittsburgh steelers which would have put him right behind debo and jason gilden i mean just the steel curtain just in an era where they weren't throwing the ball like they did in the 90s or in the 2000s i couldn't make a top five and not have lc greenwood on the list as much as it hurt me to leave joey porter out of the top five i've got him at number six (laughs) number three in terms of sacks in a pittsburgh steelers uniform joey porter you know, uh, if you've listened to this show for more than 15 minutes, you know Motes and I, the love that we have for Peasy. I've got him at six. At number seven, I've got Cam Hayward. Oh, you might have forgot about Cam. Cam Hayward could be the Steelers. He could pass Joey Porter. Needs six more sacks in his career to pass Joey Porter as the Steelers' third all-time sack leader. But you have him where on your list? Seventh. Oh. I got him right behind Peasy. Oh. Because, again... He, he's uh-huh. moved around a lot his uh-huh. first couple years in the uh-huh. league. The sack numbers, uh-huh. Motsi. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I got him number seven. Don't, don't, don't try to act like you love him now. Number eight. All oh, this disrespect I'm hearing. Are we thinking seventh? I got yeah, yes. That's very disrespectful. What? What are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Okay. It's very disrespectful. Okay. In front of him, I've got NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Uh-huh. I've, I've got Hall of Famers. Okay. Future Hall of Famers. Future Hall of Famers. Oh, 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 oh. what? Uh, T.J. Watson on a future Hall of Famer? I'm just simply saying, right now, you early. S- listen, you'll get your chance to speak your yeah. piece in just a second. Cam Hayward, number seven. Now, number eight, this was another tough guy for me to decide, and this is we're going to do this next segment, but there's a, a T.J. Watt, uh, Lamar Woodley dynamic that I want to run yeah. past Moats in the next segment. But I've got Woodley at eight. I've got Greg Lloyd at nine. I've got Keith Willis at 10 number 11 my honorable mention would go to either uh lawrence timmons or aaron smith so arthur Mose, hey, just- hey, so so quick 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 so you said um you said eight was woodley yes nine greg lloyd ah right, nine was greg yeah, Lloyd, and 10 then 10 was willis was willis yep. Right, bet. yep who was your four my four was tj watt hold on i'm missing one then i had kevin green kevin green Debo, Debo. jason gilden oh that's okay okay perfect. yeah at yep. three tj watt at four lc greenwood at five. okay yep Oh, PZ boy, six, boy, Cam boy. Hayward seven, Woodley eight, Greg Lloyd nine, Keith Willis ten. All right, Arthur Motes. Where dude. was Wesley wrong? Dude, dude. Our top three are very similar. Like I said, I went Debo one, Kevin Green two. You went Kevin Green one, Debo two. Yeah. I have Gilden at three. Look at us. So we're good right there. This is where you get absolutely blasphemous, though, bro. How do you have TJ at four? I got TJ four. How do you have him at four? Like to me, I I can't go with that at all. I'm going Joey Porter because first off, when you look at Joey's numbers, you look at his Steeler sacks, but then you look at his career sacks. He kicked a lot of butt for a long, 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 long time. Okay, 
on and off the field, might I add you. <laughs> so so I, I, I just can't throw TJ up there just yet. Okay. I can't. Okay. You know, TJ, my dog. That, that's my young boy. So you got PZ at four. I got PZ at four. Then after that, I got Cam Hayward, the guy that you were giving all this praise to, to be at seventh. You praised him like he was the man, and you had him at seventh behind TJ. What? Come on, what? What? what are you? Uh, how? You got LC, Houseway. So you got LC Greenwood outside of your top five. Like yes, I do. A, there's a lot of Steelers fans that are saying how Moats right now yeah, listening yeah. to this. I'm just and, saying. And, and I can I'm tell you saying. right now. Okay, so out of my top five, the only one that you can debate in terms of LC Greenwood would be Cam Hayward. Because, as you said, from a sack standpoint, he had been around, what, 70 career sacks, right? That's what they said. and a half was the number okay. I kept seeing. So, yeah. so, is that more sacks than Debo? It is not more sacks than Debo. Is it that is more sacks seven than? Seven less. Is that more sacks than Kevin Green all time, right? Is that more sacks than Kevin Green? It is not more sacks than Kevin Green all okay, time. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what about Jason Gilden? It is very close. It would it, be, be very close. three and a half behind. Okay, and, and what about Joey Porter? Uh, you're talking Steelers sacks or career sacks? I'm talking sacks? career sacks. I'm not sure. What's Joey's career now? I've got all the Steelers he is numbers. 98. 98. Okay, so he would be, yeah, behind Joey Porter. Okay. Yep. Okay. Again, you're, you're glossing over the fact that he played in the 70s. I, where, I, again, I, I, don't, I, I hear all that. Ben Roethlisberger averages more completions a game than Terry and, and Bradshaw that, and that's completely averaged fine. pass attempts per That's game. completely fine. But I will say this. When Joey Porter was playing, they were still implementing fullbacks and running the ball. They were. Not like okay. they were in the 70s, okay. but they were. Okay. When Kevin Green was kicking butt. They were still implementing fullbacks Not running like they the were ball. In the 70s, okay. But they were. Okay. And, and and of course if we want to go that route, we can go that route in terms of the competition. The offensive linemen have definitely evolved. Now bigger, I'll give you, I'll, better, I'll agree with more you. athletic. I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, if we really want to go there, okay? I'll agree with you on that so one. So that's why my top five are who they are. But at six, I do have Elsie Greenwood because I respect his game. I respect what he was able to accomplish, and I understand that if we could have hard stats in terms of knowing exactly what they were, not an estimate, because we all know how we could watch a game, we're like, oh, that was a sack. And then you look at the stat sheet, and they're like, oh, no, it didn't count a sack, it was this, it was that. I just personally would need to have the official information, not a folklore, not not, like not a rumor. With Ray Lewis, anytime right. he was on the pile, yeah, it was Ray, Ray Lewis, Lewis on, on the, the tackle. tackle. Ray Lewis averaged 20 tackles a game. I'm like, bro, you're not even on the field this much right now, man. So that's my only issue with the L.C. Greenwood. I'm not taking away from his impact. I'm not taking away that he should be a Hall of Famer. But what I am saying is that I can't properly evaluate him because I don't know his official numbers. That's like me trying to to to, to rank Devin Bush last year, not knowing that he had 100 tackles, which is kind of estimate. Oh, I think he had you know anywhere between 80 to 120. Like you sure. know how wide that it's, could get. It's tough. Yeah. So even though we know he was impactful, we know he was he was really good. We know all these things. I just don't have the proper information available to rank him in that regard. But that's why I have him at six, outside of the top five, and that's out of respect. At number seven. Now I have my young boy, T.J. Watt. Okay. Because, I mean, let's be real about it. He's kicking some crazy butt. And when we do the comparison of him to Kevin Green. You like that over, stat I, that I, I do. found, didn't you? I do like that a lot. I just, I just simply say that we have to be careful, though, that we understand that, hey, this is a very small sample size. And even though we're talking about Kevin Green and his, what, 33 and a half sacks or 35 and a half sacks over the, the 48 games he played and T.J. is being, what, one sack down? One sack and one game One sack behind. away, one sack yeah. again. I, I think that is definitely important. But I think when we say that and we just say, well, Kevin Green's a Hall of Famer, 
We just assume that his numbers match everything along with that, and that's not I'm even pay, I'm the case. Broad you definitely are because I'm like, you realize what Kevin Green, Demonte Sexy have prior to that and post that is insane. So I just want to make sure that we, we understand that element. I of think it. to be fair though, too, right? Mm -hmm. If you're talking greatness and edge rushers, yes, sacks is it's the it's the meat. Yes, yes, but, but impact some, plays as well. There's still some yes. potatoes. And Absolutely. And like with T.J. Watt, man, 15 forced fumbles where Kevin Green had six as a Steeler. In, in this, as a Steeler, yes. yeah, as the same amount of games. Yes. I just mm -hmm. that's where when I look at those numbers like that, I, that jumped off the page at me. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I see what you I, I see what you're saying as well too. That's kind of where I wanted to relate the Lamar Woodley discussion that I want to yes, have with you next yes. segment. Because that's the only thing. Sometimes when we bring up those type of numbers in those type of situations, it does make you just kind of. In 2010, like, like, we were saying a lot of these same things there, about Lamar you know? Woodley. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's yeah. like you don't know what's going to transpire from there. Like, if we're having this conversation three years from now, we have a lot more context to know absolutely. what TJ is going forward. But how many times have we seen guys come in the league, have a, a two-, three-, four-year run where they're setting it on fire? Lamar Woodley. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I look at Mario Williams. He's another guy. He was setting it on fire, got the $100 million contract, and it disappeared. And the list could go on and on and on of guys like that. So that's why I'm just very hesitant to put a guy who's still young like that mm -hmm. and still coming into his own in that top five just yet. You got him at six, right? No, I have him at seven. Oh, I have Elsie Greenwood at six. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yep. TJ Watts at seven. Then I got to go with Mr. Greg Lloyd, man. I'm not here for my – what? <laughs> what did he say he's not here for? What did he say? Come on, baby. So, for me, man, I had to go Greg Lloyd at eight, okay. man. Greg Lloyd, the only guy I know, he'd kick your butt on the field and then kick your butt off the field. That's well, the actually, truth. him and PZ, they, that's, why I, that's probably why I like both of them because both of them with, with whatever. They they down for whatever. You 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 got an issue, they'll is, solve is it. Is Greg Lloyd a pit master like PZ, too? Ooh, I don't know. I don't we might know. have to figure that out. Because PZ definitely, PZ, that's what he down. does. He can throw down on the grill. Yes, Lloyd. <laughs> okay, so uh, Greg Lloyd, eight. Uh-huh. Okay. At nine, I have Aaron Smith. Okay. I think it's important, man. When we're talking about the difference, defense, the three fours, the four threes, we're talking about the impact. This cat had 44 sacks, bro. 44 sacks in a 3-4. Just think about that. That is crazy to do, especially when you think about the guys who were playing alongside him, guys that were kicking butt alongside him, and during the era in which he played. It's not like he's playing in today's NFL where they're throwing the ball 40, 50 times sometimes. No, 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 no. It was get your neck roll out, bite down on your mouthpiece. We playing smash mouth football. Big boy football. So when I think about Aaron and I look at the numbers he's had and, and I think about the impact that he had on that defense, he wasn't just a guy. And when you talk to Pouncey, you talk to some of these offensive linemen that have played here, they talk about how Aaron Smith was one of the best guys and one of the most nightmare of a guys they ever had to line up against in practice and it ultimately made them better. So when I think of that, man, Aaron definitely makes my top 10. He's at 9. And now this is my issue right here. So at 10, I was torn between two guys. Obviously, Keith Willis and Lamar Woodley. I was torn. I ain't know who I wanted to go with. I said, man, their numbers are very, very similar in terms of total sacks. But I said the, the, the one thing that broke it for me was, one, it took 126 games to do. Mm -hmm. Another guy did it in 94. Lamar Whitley, when he was pre-contract, when he was still hungry, oh, man, dude was a monster. A flat-out monster. I would get mad, actually, watching it because I tell you I would watch Debo's film, and when I would have to watch Lamar Whitley on the other side, I would get mad because i say, yo, he's not supposed to be able to just 
take his two hands and just ragdoll a grown man like that <laughs> without even having like technique would be terrible at times. Like I look at Debo, I'm like Debo is a, a tactician, a fundamentalist. Like he does everything perfect. And I looked over here to Will. I'm like his his footwork's terrible. His alignment's trash, and he just ragdolls people. And I would get so upset about that, man, because I said it's certain things I will never be able to do in my life, and that's one of them. But with that being <laughs> said, man, I have Lamar Woodley at ten, but keep okay. at a at a very close honorable mention. Okay, yeah, no, I like it. And then after that, you know, I got my dog Law Dog at honorable mention, mm-hmm. and then Arthur Motes. <coughs> Obviously, <laughs> Arthur Motes definitely an honorable mention. Yeah, Arthur Motes, like, he checked in at number thirteen on my yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, you know how that goes. So man. He, he's still there, baby. He, and if he's at thirteen, I put Bud Dupree at fourteen. You know, you just, know, keep the respect going. Just you know something, we do, man. just something like Clark, Clark Hagen's at fifteen. Yeah, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> Okay, so there's our lists. We want your opinion. Give us your list, where we were right, where we were wrong. You know where to find us, at Wesley Euler, at The Body 52. The Body. When we come back here, this is what I want to ask in the next segment to Arthur Motes. Evaluating a T.J. Watt versus Lamar Woodley, what we know versus the unknown. I want to hear from a, uh, a former pass rusher himself and what he thinks about kind of how we evaluate this guy, these guys and how we look at their, their legacies in their times in Pittsburgh. One hour in the books, another 60 minutes to go. Come back with us inside the Electric Factory. Hour number two on the way. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on? Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? I don't know. Well, that's okay. <laughs> no, well, that's good. We're doing good, too. It's Euler Emotes, hour number two, inside the electric factory. Rolling along here, continuing with our theme week, right, of settling Steelers debates once and for all. Talking greatest pass rushers. If you missed that in the first hour, don't worry, Arthur Motes. If you're just joining us, mm-hmm. we don't have to rehash it. You know okay. why? Why? Why not? Because everyone can just download the podcast. Oh, I've heard whole, about that whole podcast thing. They can hear the thing. whole you're first right. hour of the show commercial yeah. free. It's like watching something on demand. You just pull it up when you want it's to. It's like Netflix. You know? wow. It's great. I love it. It's, it's like Hulu. Radio on demand. Oh, my God. I love this thing. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcast, Steelers Blitz. That's ah. Blitz with a Z. If you, you know, if you miss the first hour of the show, if there's any times you're going on a long road trip, you or even if you heard the first hour of the show, you say, "Hey, I want to listen to it again." So, so nice. You needed it twice. You know, it's like two Motsu. We had, I had a guy tweet me. I believe Patrick is his name, um, and he's from out. I think he lives in California. Oh, I thought he's from Sandy Bottom. And he's Beach Bottom, <laughs> Bikini Bottom, right? Bikini the, Bottom. There it is. That's the SpongeBob town, right? Um, he said that, you know, I'm a big Steelers fan living out, you know, across the country. Sometimes it's hard to get my Steelers news. He's like, I discovered you guys' podcast. And he's like, I've been going back and listening to all the old ones throughout the summer, and I love mm-hmm. it. So you could do that, too. But, again, Steelers Blitz, wherever you get your podcast, that's where you can find us on demand. Rolling along here. All right, Arthur Motes, here's what I got for you. So we got into it a little bit there in the last segment. It's obvious by my rankings that I'm very high on T.J. Watt and the Kevin Green comparison that I laid out there. But I think I'd be naive, Arthur Motes, if I didn't say that I said a lot of the same things about Lamar Woodley his first three or four years in the black and gold. 
I think it's worth stating he didn't necessarily jump onto the scene maybe as quickly, you know, right away. Correct. Uh, he had yeah. he had four sacks his first season, which is you know which is nothing to slouch slouch at, but not like TJ who had seven sacks and some more forced fumbles. Uh, but both of them exploding in their sophomore seasons. Woodley eleven and a half sacks. TJ Watt with thirteen of them. Thangs. So let me ask you this, Arthur Motes. How do you evaluate? How should I evaluate? How should we evaluate? What you just talked about, the known versus the yeah. unknown, that, that we love what T.J. Watt has done through three years, mm-hmm. and there's been plenty of examples, obviously, of guys in the NFL who have done that and continued to get better and improve yes. and gone on to Hall of Fame-type careers. But we've also talked about the Lamar Woodleys. You bring in Mario Williams. There's plenty of those guys, too. I mean, geez, we can talk about Kendrell Bell, the experience that we oh, had with, with, with him yeah. here in Pittsburgh. There's also some guys that can have some really productive years and then seemingly kind of fall off a cliff pretty yes. quickly. How do we evaluate the known versus the potential in these type of discussions? Yeah, man, this is a unique circumstance in the sense that with both TJ and Lamar, they both have shown that they have superstar potential. Yeah. Because I think that's the difference. Like, a lot of times we talk about some of these names, and we're like, well, this guy had a chance to be really good, a perennial all-pro, a perennial pro bowler, but never – quite superstar realm like cam Hayward, for example right he's going to be a perennial all pro that's what he is right perennial all pro pro bowler but not necessarily a superstar when i think superstar i think of aaron Donald, i think of a, a jj watt right a khalil mack a von miller it's just a different level to that now when we talked about lamar and we talk about tj both of those guys at different points in their career distribute i mean demonstrated star quality talent where mm-hmm. they could be the alpha the guy yeah. that everybody talks about that they, they they transcend position they just become a name that's that's Woodley that's that's TJ yeah you know what I mean yep. like and, and I think the difference right now from my personal experiences we know what Willie once he was able to get the contract and he had already won a Super Bowl Signed that big endorsement deal with Jordan Correct. Brand, too. A, a lot of people said that he lost the edge. He he didn't necessarily come to work with that same level of intensity. And because he was so gifted that he knew even if I'm overweight, I still can come out here and get 10 sacks. I still can come out here and do this. And that ultimately hindered him. With TJ, though, I think the thing that benefits him so much more and why I am less worried about that happening to him is he's not chasing money. He's not chasing, you know, the, the the notoriety. He has all those things, but what he's going to be chasing his whole career is being better than his brother. I was brother. just going to say his older brother. And yeah. what his older brother was able to accomplish, just think about that. Right now, as great as TJ is, he's still not the best Watt in the family. That's a great point. He's still not. And, and, to, and to brothers, that means yeah. more than a lot of other things. So, so for a fact, and knowing TJ – Personally, obviously we're teammates, knowing how competitive he is with his brother. That's what he wants. He wants to prove that he's better than J.J. And let's be honest here. If you and I were doing one of these top ten edge rushers all time in NFL history, J.J. would probably be on our list. And J.J. is going to definitely be higher than T.J. on that list as well. Yes, and J.J. is future Hall of Famer. No question. Yeah, Should be first ballot. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at the fact that he – what. I mean, he was the first one to go back to back. Mm-hmm. And he won three, three. defensive players. He year, won three, right? but he was the yeah, first, to, first go to go back, back to back. back. Before Aaron Donald. Before, Think about that. I know. But he, like, he, he lined he, up all over that defense. It he, didn't matter where he was going to line up yeah. at. He was going to get sacks. He was going to be disruptive. You talk about impact plays. You talk about tackles. You talk about forced fumbles, interceptions. 
JJ does all of that. So for TJ, the reason why I'm not concerned with TJ having that drop-off is because barring injury, he's going to show up to work every day chasing that. Because it doesn't matter how much money he makes. It doesn't matter how many All-Pros or Pro Bowls he makes. If he doesn't get those Defensive Player of the Years, if he doesn't get to that game record consistently every year, they got to put three guys on you category, then he's not gonna he's he's gonna be viewed as the second step the the, the failure not, not even the failure of the family but just the you're the little guy your little brother and, and that's something like you said as a brother you want you you have to especially every, as the younger brother oh no question you every day every day me and my me and my little brother got that dynamic then guys that that I was very close with growing up with that you know I was able to play in college with I had that dynamic guys that I looked up to as an older brother like yo. I want that, and every day I'm going to compete to get that. I'm, I'm chasing that, and that's what TJ has. You know, I love how you brought up both sides of that because the first thing that you brought up, right, with the Woodley, we, we see this not just in football. We've seen this in every sport. The guys who, when they finally get the big payday, when they finally get the endorsements, the money, the security, mm-hmm. that edge comes off. And – I think we, you know, again, there are examples from every sport that you can point to for that. Guys who get money and their game is never really the same, they lose that edge. I think that's a well known thing. But with what you just alluded to, to the TJ Watt, to the, you know, having an older brother, someone that you're chasing, not money, not a Super Bowl trophy, not a, which again, I'm sure TJ Watt wants to get paid. TJ, TJ Watt certainly wants to win a Super Bowl, if not more than one Super Bowl, and he would certainly love to win a defensive player of the year. But that's not his number one motivation. His number one motivation is to be better than his older brother. I, I think that's huge because I think you can kind of, in the same way that we can look at examples of, of Lamar Woodley's and Mario Williams, and again, there's, there's examples in other sports as well too. I think greatness a lot of times comes, Motes, when there is that push from something that isn't just money. Mm, absolutely. Like LeBron James, let's be honest here. LeBron isn't chasing money. LeBron isn't chasing more endorsements. LeBron isn't chasing this and that. LeBron is chasing Michael Jordan. No question. And, it's, and you can see the difference in it. And you can see the difference in LeBron versus guys like Kevin Durant who are chasing LeBron. You see this. Arthur Motes, let's, I, I'm going to be honest with you here. I don't think Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo would either be as great as they've been if they were playing in separate eras. The fact that they've had that other dude for uh-huh. 15 years to push them, and for 15 years everyone's been debating who's the greatest soccer player. Bird and Magic. Messi? Ronaldo Bird and Messi. Magic, same thing, man. Bird and Magic, same thing. Did you watch the um, the Sammy Sosa? Uh, yeah, and McGuire thing, Magu- yeah, absolutely. Mark McGuire says, I would have never hit, yeah. what was it, 71 home mm-hmm. runs in a season if Sammy didn't hit 66. Yeah. Because I needed him pushing me that absolutely. whole way. It wasn't Mark McGuire just trying to – Oh, I'm trying to hit this number. I'm trying to make this nah, amount of money. Uh-uh. It was I want to beat that guy. Absolutely, man. And I think a lot of times that can be the that can be a bigger motivating factor than money than 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 anything else is just I want to be able to say I was better than that dude. No question, man. I always take it back to the comic book days, man. Every Batman needs a Joker. You need that that guy that's going to push you to be your best. You need that guy that's going to make you when you want to you know, shorten down your workout. Hey, I want to take this one off. Like, nah, I can't because I know that guy's over there working, and I will not let him outwork me. I know this guy's over here is trying to take me out. I, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to make sure that I come up and I show up here every single day and give you my absolute best because I want to beat you. I don't care if we win. As long as I beat you, 
Like, that's the mentality. And I love it because I can relate to it. I mean, any athlete that's played at a high level, not even a high level, any athlete that's competed and really have been able to have a rival, whether it was a different school or a particular player, you know that feeling. You know where you say, yo, I'm going to make sure that I'm doing everything in my power to be better than you, period. You need that. You need that push. I mean, you really do. I. And it, it doesn't it, – it can be a brother. It can be like we sibling talked – Sibling robbery, like you said, sibling man. Sibling robbery. There's, I mean, <laughs> we talked about him at, at, in the first segment of the show. We talked about him an hour ago. Adam Crowley and I have some of this with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like we went to college together. We worked at the same radio station in college. We worked at the same TV station in college. Like similar it. internships. Like Crowley and I were always competing for that kind of stuff. It, it's good to have somebody – it doesn't matter what it is. Somebody that you think – uh, oh, I wonder what they're doing today to get better. Mm-hmm. If I'm sitting here today and I'm not getting better the whole day, yep. well, 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 you know, Johnny down the street, he's doing this. In my mind, he's doing this and that. Oh, yeah. Try, try, hey, it don't go away regardless. Listen, yeah, playing professional retired. I do it with, with grilling and Listen, smoking man, meats now. I'm, I'm, always, our- <laughs> I'm always competing. Moats and I are Always. coming in here on Mondays, and we're showing each other pictures. Oh, look what, I, look what I cooked over the I weekend. I use this seasoning. Well, look at this brisket. <laughs> look at this brisket. Look at this brisket that I uh... – Hey, man. Always <laughs> competing, man. That's just – I feel like the, 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 the great ones, that's how they operate, though. Yeah. If you don't have something to motivate you, you will become complacent. And once you become complacent, once you stop advancing in life, once you stop getting better, you get worse and you deteriorate. And I think that's the difference. And when we talk about a Lamar Willie, it seemed as if he just lost that edge of who am I competing against? It wasn't Debo anymore because at a time, even though Debo was still a mega star, like doing his thing, when Willie signed that Jordan deal, Willie became something different. Mm -hmm. That, That put him in a whole nother level of stardom. Yes. It really did, like, it, and it, that was it, when Jordan first started correct. signing athletes. And like, it was all, it was select. It, it might have been three or four guys in the whole I NFL. Think it was Woodley, Wood, him, Woodson, Woodson, and uh, was it Peppers? It might have been Peppers. Peppers, yeah. And then I'm trying to think of the others, like Russell Westbrook. But there was only like six or seven guys, yeah. and it might even not have been Westbrook. Westbrook yet. He wasn't was still there at yet. UCLA. No, I say yeah. Westbrook wasn't there yet. Yeah. So you got to think like that was a rare, rare time. Mm-hmm. Like that, that would. Robinson Cano didn't I want to say uh yes. yeah he yeah, was, there was a yeah. baseball player so yep. that was like that era where dudes really like if you got the the Jordan endorsement and that was the start of when social media yes, was really taking man. off so that's why like it, it became he didn't really have a counterpart to really look to I'm sure he could have found one if he looked hard enough I mean Debo maybe but yeah. yeah but like I said even with Debo I think it was always viewed as he's the better player because athletically he was more gifted Debo had to work so much harder, but he could still go out there and do just as better. I mean, just as good or better without even having to work that hard. Mm. And the fact of the pedigree of where they were both brought in at. One, you know, where he was drafted at versus where Debo wasn't drafted at. That played a, a bigger role into it as well. A lot, lot goes into this. Let's just, yeah, I'm thankful that J.J. Watt is a very good football player, too. Absolutely. Because <laughs> Absolutely. that's going to push TJ for the rest Absolutely. of his career. Absolutely, bro. That's great stuff. Motsi, the tweets have been rolling in. The people want their voices to be heard. Uh-oh, I like that. But first, uh, Madden, not John Madden, the video game. Madden uh-huh. NFL, right? They made an announcement this morning. And with that announcement, yeah! they, they, <laughs> said, they said something that peeved your boy, all right? Mm. Moats came in here a little steamed to start the show. 
it's my turn to get a little steamed next. All right, we'll discuss okay, okay. we'll discuss that before we wrap up the show with your tweets. So get them in now while you can. At Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. What's cooking my grits? We'll discuss next inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. All right, Arthur Motes, let's get right to it here. What's cooking my grits today? Who's stepping on my toes today? Uh Uh-oh. Who's got me wound up today? Uh Uh-oh. All right, Arthur Motes. Today, um, it had been spoken about. Everyone kind of knew it was coming, but it became officially official today. The cover of Madden 21 was revealed. Lamar Jackson is the cover Woo! athlete. Not bad for a running back, baby. Not bad for a running back. And and I, I want to preface this with... I'm a Lamar guy. I told you. We, we already had this conversation. Yeah. I'm a Lamar guy. Neither of us dislike Lamar. I really liked watching him play at Louisville. I'm a fan. Um I find myself, remember, I've told you this before, I hate how Steelers fans at times make me defend Lamar. Because Very true. Because, yes. Because you guys do this a lot where you all tell me, all right, well, Lamar's going to get hurt one day, and then yeah. I have to be the well-actually guy who tells you that. Correct. He, since 2015, he's been a starter every Thank year you. of his life except for one and Thank has you. never picked up a significant injury. Thank you. Playing both in college football and now in the National Football League. Why, why do we do that, though? It's almost like, hey. We always assume that mobile quarterbacks are going to get hurt. But the thing, but every also, quarterback gets hurt. But I also feel that people will say that, too. It's to quarterback kinda, position. To kind of, like, justify or make them feel better yes. because they don't like a particular player. Exactly. Or, or he plays but, for a rival or stuff like that. Man. Moats, let's look at it. Look at, g- g- Give me the best five, six, seven quarterbacks of this past decade, right? Tom Brady, he's missed time with injury. Yeah. Peyton Manning, he missed a whole season with injury. Big Ben. Big Ben. Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, go down the list. It's a violent sport. The quarterbacks have the ball in their hand every play. They're getting hit, even though we protect them a lot more now than we ever have. They're still getting hit more now than they ever have when they're dropping back 40-some times a game. Quarterbacks get hurt. Lamar Jackson will probably get hurt at some point in his career, but that's not a reason to knock him as not a legitimate franchise quarterback. That's all. Now, don't make me defend Lamar anymore, all right? Because I already got to go wash my mouth and <laughs> mouthwash and talking nice about that purple. <sighs> all right, but here's what's cooking my grits, Arthur Motes. Uh-oh. With Ho- the, hopefully they, got, they seasoned. With the, <laughs> yes, Jeez. they are. Okay. With some Old Bay. Hey. And some Holy Voodoo. Okay, talk about it. Side note, Holy Voodoo seasoning is Shout fantastic out. Shout on out. popcorn. Shout out. Ooh, Ooh. the popcorn. See, my, uh, my oldest, KK, man, we do the uh, – the the uh, Morton's season salt. Okay, she she kills it. She oh, loves so it. Good. Yeah. So good. A good a good season salt. I had to hit this to the Obey a little bit though. She, on some still crispy French fries, some good season salt. Yeah. Ooh, buddy, you can't beat it. You also can't beat Madden when it comes to sports video games. And Arthur Motes, like Classic, I said, baby. they made their officially you know it was it was spoken I mean, you, about. You know it what was, they say though, man. When you get on the cover of Madden, it's kind of like you are. The face of something. Ah. Well, I'm glad you said that, Arthur Motes, because, see, he's trying to get me going here. If that was the case, though, wouldn't it be the same cover athlete for, like, six, seven, eight years in a row? Each year he switches, man. Uh, With the announcement today, right, the first thing when I clicked on this video to watch the, uh, you know, the, the Lamar Jackson official announcement is Madden 21 NFL cover athlete. The first line that I hear, Arthur Motes, is, 
the face of the NFL's future is now also the face of Madden. Dude, what? Like, what are we talking about here? And I just, all right, for the, for the, for the last, what, uh, where are we at here? Four minutes, of the first four minutes of this segment, I spoke nicely about Lamar. So you can know <laughs> that I'm not saying this as a hater. He's not the face of the NFL. Hey, man, he's on Madden, dang it. He's the face. Stop it. He's not the face of the NFL. He's the face of the people. For the people. Voted upon yeah. by the people. Peyton Hillis was on the cover of Madden, too. Was he he was not the face of the NFL then. That's different. He should have been Jamal Lewis, but that's another debate. All right? They they needed to switch it up. They say, look, man, we got to go with somebody different. Give give the boy Peyton Hillis for Cleveland. Give him a little love. And that's what that whole debate was. You saw how short-lived it was. Okay. Lamar Jackson is the reigning MVP. He's the face. He's not the face. Arthur Moses. He's the face. <laughs> I want to ask you. I want to ask you who the face of the NFL is because it's it's either Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. <sighs> it might be Mahomes now. It's tough to shuffle Brady off like that. But Mahomes is the one standing on the podium with the MVP already in the bag, not, not holding the, the Super Bowl one, trophy. Though. Not the regular season. One. Well, no, I mean, but he won. One. I mean, he has one yeah, like yeah, in yeah, his yeah. hardware true, true, from true. from two seasons true. ago. I, and again, I Lamar Jackson. I don't have a problem with Lamar Jackson. I'd probably say he's third behind Brady Just and Mahomes. Give him his moment. Yeah, the face of the NFL. I'm going to buy Madden today. Or whenever Madden, Madden drops, I'm going to pre-order it just for Lamar. And that's the thing too. If you want, if you want. If Patrick Mahomes wasn't, what, 24, 25 years old? If he was, like, old like Brady, five, oh, yeah. he's the same age as Lamar. It's different. Lamar, oh. Lamar changed the game. Lamar brought excitement. Lamar changed the game. <laughs> I think the guy who threw 50 touchdown passes for 5,000 yards changed the game, it too. Right. Patrick Every, but everybody throws the ball. It's all right. Heisman winner, NFL MVP, Madden cover athlete, uh, Lamar Jackson. Hey, he's not even 25 yet. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it. What? I you love know, it. You know what, though? Mahomes, you, you could substitute that uh, that Heisman winner for uh, Super Bowl champion. I think Mahomes will take that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that, just, that's, that's a team stat. We talk just, about individual listen, awards. I'm just not going to uh, let EA Sports disrespect Patrick Mahomes like Come that. Come on, man. Listen, dude, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Where's he, Lamar he's from? the new age he's from, Mike Vick. He's from uh, Miami. He's from Florida, yes. Florida. Okay, from Florida. Was, for a second, I was like, wait. No, 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 no. from Virginia. Nah, this nah, is nah. all making sense. No, nah, if he was from VA, it'd be totally different. I, I'd, I'd have came in here with a way different energy. But you're right. That's why when we did the draft thing last week, yeah. I took Lamar fifth overall to yes. Miami because it's a no-brainer. Hometown team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the thing, though, what they're trying to say is from a cultural standpoint, man, Lamar is – he's – not there yet, but he's towing that same type sure. of Mike Vick level of stardom. Think about when Vick was in Atlanta, when he first got on the cover, when he first got the $100 million contract, when he first had his Nike shoe come out. Like, that was a the, the commercial, the, the Mike Vick experience. Like, that's where Lamar is headed right now. And the thing, I think, why they're trying to hype it up so much more by saying he's the face of the NFL it's for the simple fact that he's so much different. Yeah. That we've seen a lead pass. Like, Mahomes, what Mahomes is doing, we've seen similar to that with Brady, with Breeze, with Aaron Rodgers, with Peyton Manning. He's just taking it a little bit to the next Correct. level. Correct. So yeah. it's like if those guys were doing it at an eight and a half, Mahomes is at a nine and a half. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 whoa. But it's like, okay, it's, we've seen close to this, but this it's is like different. We've seen this fish before. Right. This one's just a little bit bigger. Correct. It's a couple pounds heavier than Correct. the last fish. Whereas with Lamar, we haven't seen this level of success, this level of impact 
doing it the way he's doing hmm. it since a, Vic. I like that. That's a good way to put it. And and I think that's the biggest difference is just that. And then I think also Baltimore did a good job with this. You know, it hurts me to ever compliment anything from <laughs> Baltimore. But I think they did a good job in terms of Harbaugh standing up and being vocal about his support for him and making it the us versus them we're the bad guys type thing where he's like, not bad for the running back. Yeah. Not bad for – that became like a legit True. thing. Like us versus them. Correct. Yeah. And I think that added to the whole Lamar mystique and the whole Lamar being this bigger person hmm. just because of that versus the media. So I think when they say the face of the NFL – it's debatable. Like you said, he's definitely top three between Brady and Mahomes, without a doubt. We can agree upon that. But I think that's the approach they're going with it because of how just – I mean, nobody expected it. We talked about how that first year when he became the starter, right, midway through for Flacco. Every week, what do we say? Every week we were debating if they could get it done. Every week we were debating, is he good enough? Mm-hmm. Then it was, okay, he can't throw the ball. Remember, that was the new debate. He can't throw the ball. And then last year, you saw what he was able to do week in and week and out the with his is legs. He can't, he can't win a playoff game, mode. Right. And, and that's the, so, so it's like we, we, we pick something new to pick on him every year, which is hilarious to me because when, when they're doing that, that lets you know you're kicking a lot of butt. When, when people start trying to move, it's no different with the LeBron debate. Moving the needle. At, at first it was, well, he, he's not a closer. Then, okay, his, 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 his fourth quarters are better than these guys. All right, well, he he doesn't do this. Okay, now he does that. Well, he doesn't do this. All right, now it's this. So we saw the same thing with Sidney Crosby absolutely. in the first seven or eight absolutely. years of his career. So when they keep finding new issues to have with you, that lets you know that you are doing something very, very yes. special. And Lamar, yes. honestly, that's what he's doing right now. So I definitely respect it. I definitely can see why they want to say he's the face of it. I just think that, like you said, man, Brady to me still is the face of the NFL, regardless of Mahomes winning the Super Bowl last year. Brady is still the guy. Now, this could change. If Brady comes out and has an average year this year and Mahomes puts another crazy year up or even Lamar puts another crazy year up. Instead of up in the Northeast in a big market. That changes a lot. That would change a lot of that. But as of right now, Brady is still – it's no different. Like we were talking the music industry, and three guys are going to release a record. Brady, Mahomes, and, and Lamar Jackson. Brady is like the Jay-Z of this thing. Mahomes is is like the Migos. And then Lamar could be – Travis know, Scott. Yeah, Travis Scott. <laughs> All three can sell out in their own right. All three are going to go platinum in their but own Hove right. Is still but, but when Hove drops, it's like, all right, dude, that's what we we going to hear his stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. – that's how, or you could say Jay-Z, Drake, Kanye, for example, if you want to put them all in the same vein, making them singular. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the vein that we're talking of right now. I like it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I Quick quick side uh, fact for you, because, you know, I have to get my Poindexter moment in you here. You do, and I love it. I love it. Lamar Jackson 0-2 in playoff games. Uh-huh. There have only been two quarterbacks in NFL history that have lost their first two playoff games that mm-hmm. have gone on to win Super Bowls. Okay. Do you know who they are, Arthur Motes? I'll give you a hint. Uh oh, this is tough. I'll give you a hint. Okay. They got the same last name. That really helps out a lot. That helps out so much. Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. Oh. They're the only two quarterbacks okay. in NFL history that Why lost. Why you said we're brothers then? <laughs> I thought, see, I was trying to throw you for a yeah, You said brother. I'm trying you, to keep you know, because in my mind, I'm like, you know how many Williams there are, or You're Johnsons, like, or Jones. Or I'm like, dude, it's a lot. <laughs> Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are the only quarterbacks in NFL history to start their career 0-2, go yeah. on to win a Super Bowl. If Lamar does win a Super Bowl in his career, he will become the third. Gotcha. If we let me ask you this. If we were to take Lamar, Mahomes, and Brady out of the conversation, mm-hmm. who's the face of the NFL? Or maybe even 
You know, this might be a more fun discussion. Non-quarterback face of the NFL. Thank you. Non-quarterback face. I think McCaffrey is definitely making a case for it. If he was in a bigger market, it would change. I, you know, with that being said, I'm probably going to go Saquon. I would mm. go Saquon. Um, you know, if we were having this discussion last year, we would have probably had Juju in this conversation. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And as much as I want to throw Tyreek, because of the off-field stuff, yeah. that's always going to be lingering over him. But I think Aaron Donald, he's still going to be in Aaron that conversation Donald's as a good well. One. Yeah, right? just doesn't matter position. He's just in that that's conversation every yeah. time. Khalil Mack. Yeah, but I think Khalil is still a tear down right now just because so. after that first year in Chicago, it definitely didn't seem the same. And towards the end of that first year in Chicago, he kind of – dwindled down a little bit it, right. it didn't have the same type of stain that Vaughn had when Vaughn did it through the playoffs and Super Bowl yeah that's true like that was Vaughn you could have argued what four years ago was the face of the yeah. NFL oh, without a doubt <laughs> I mean he was after, after that pan, after, man when he got Super Bowl MVP he was think everywhere. About, like that was the first time we saw in forever a legit average because not the Malcolm Smith where it was like oh we really don't have anyone to give it to it could be Malcolm it could be Cam Chase right. it could be Percy Harvin we don't really know who to give it right, to right. it wasn't that situation it was clear cut that Vaughn was the best player on that field oh yeah and that says a lot because you had Demarcus Ware out there you had Cam uh, Newton out there Peyton Manning out there I mean the list goes on and on and on mm-hmm. of the guys who were on that field mm-hmm. but Vaughn was just different he was for like man for what probably three four years oh, there goodness. he was just. On you talk about the gold standard. That that was yeah. it. Hundred uh, percent, man. He was whew, just just an absolute freak. I like it, Arthur Motes. All who right, you going I'm, with you though? Le- who you, who le- you going with? Because you, I, I name mine. Who are you thinking? Um, I don't know. I I feel like hmm. As I sit here and scratch my head, hmm. <laughs> like. Until last year, I could have argued Odell Beckham Jr. too. We didn't mention yeah. him, but going to Cleveland in the year that they had kind of squashed that. that. Hurt him. Yeah, yeah. I think Aaron Donald's a really good one. Uh, I, I, I do. Think Malcolm Thomas could be, but he needs. He, sh- he could he, be. He has to be more outspoken. I feel like you think Julio when, when could AB, be, but he's too quiet. He's too quiet. Like yeah. when AB was blowing up like that, AB was gonna be inside, in front hmm. of the camera, the smile. He was gonna have conversations. He was gonna talk and, and just continue on. Whereas with Thomas. He doesn't give you that on camera, but he will throw the, the you know the tweet out there of hey if you're talking bad about me I'm gonna tweet you back type thing. Right. But it doesn't come off the exact same way, and I think that's the only thing that's hurt him because he plays receiver. If he was at quarterback, you could get away with not being as outspoken, but at the receiver position, you have to have that element to to really go to the mega mega star face of a league. Yeah, it's a good call by you. It's it's interesting how we. Kind of, you know, what just what it takes to be, you know, one of those guys yeah. who your popularity is bigger than the football field, and how it's much easier for quarterbacks and wide receivers seemingly than it is for yeah. <laughs> for other guys. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, one more segment to go. You know what that means? We will get to your tweets on the other side. Last chance to get them in. Speak now or hold your peace until tomorrow for the next twenty two <laughs> hours. At Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Arthur Motes, um, the, the power grid, they've got some things to say about the uh-oh, best pass uh-oh. rushers to ever wear the black and gold. We'll get into that when we wrap up the show. Start where we finished inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. 
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up on this Wednesday with your questions on the Twitter.com. As always, Arthur Motes, I like this one. You know we like those outside-of-the-box questions, too. We do. We definitely do. We love football questions, but we love the random questions, too. Uh, Keep it random every once in a while. Our guy Gregory from California always, always comes with the good questions. Who's had the better, you know, we're talking about better careers, greater careers here. He wants to know who's who's had the better career, Dave Chappelle or Eddie Murphy? That's tough. Ah, better career? I guess it depends on how you judge career, oh, right? Because Are we talking career as stand-up exactly. or career as movie? Like big budget movies? Like in movies? terms of just pop culture relevant. Yeah. yeah, because if we're talking in terms of big budget movies and their pop culture popularity, I mean, it's Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was We're talking just as a stand-up comedian. Wait a minute now. I think it's Chappelle. Whoa! I know. I'm an Eddie Murphy guy. His And, and some of his early stand-ups are Raw as good as they get. Raw and Delirious Raw and Delirious are, are as good as they get. I will put them up against anybody's best two stand-ups, and it's going to handle it. It's going to be up there with them. I, I can agree. assure you of that. I agree. Now, it's funny for me. I've gotten more into Chappelle when he started doing the Netflix specials okay. now. Okay. Like, some of his stuff early on, it was absolutely good, without a doubt. But, like, it was more of the skit-based with the the, the Chappelle show. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the biggest into, like, the skits like that. Sure, I, I like sure. just the traditional, like, you stand just up, stand up and, and cook. Tell jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, Eddie Eddie does that. Like, it's got to be leather suit Eddie, though. I, I need leather body mm-hmm. suit Eddie. That's, that's my guy. And see, it's funny, and maybe this is the little bit. You know, you and I are a similar age, but there's yeah. a little bit of an age gap. Yes. Like killing them softly and for what it's worth, were like kind of my first gotcha. stand-up specials. Okay. Um, like when I first found out about stand-up comedy, Dave Chappelle and Dane Cook were the were the two big Ooh, were the two big names okay, at the time. Okay, got you. And for me, it's still like Dave Chappelle and Bill See, Burr are my favorite stand-up. So I love like, Sebastian Maniscalco too. So like when I was growing up, I grew up in the Comic View era. Yep. So like yep. Bruce, Bruce. Obviously, this is when Chris Tucker was doing stand up. Eddie Murphy, we talked about. I love Chris. Martin Tucker. Lawrence were doing stand up. Chris Rock, Chris Rock it was would like have the age his of yeah. It really Chris was. Rock would have a special almost like monthly mm-hmm. with HBO. I remember my parents would like I would have to sneak because he he curses a lot because mm-hmm. they would be like, oh yeah, Eddie Eddie Murphy and. and and uh, Martin Lawrence, they don't curse as much. That Chris Rock, yeah, ah, it's different. And I would have it's to sneak to go watch it. And I'd be like, "Yo, I love this guy." Like that was that era that I grew up where every like if you it didn't they didn't care what you did in the movie. It was about how do you get on the mic and rock it. And with me growing up in that era, that's why like I hold it to a different value, yeah. man. So like when Chappelle and even Dane Cook and Dane Cook can go, but like I remember like uh, George Carlin for example, George like. Carlin. Dude, those like, guys though, just the way they told yes. stories. And, and it was like, we didn't need any skits. We don't need anything to distract you. Just and, come and, out and But make I us think laugh. the skits yeah. were important because it was a different style. You know what I mean? With some mm. of the stuff that Chappelle show is a different style. But 
when I think of those guys like just stand up, I'm like, that's what I. Yeah. That's how I cut yeah, my like teeth right there. Mitch, man. you know Mitch Hedberg. Absolutely, absolutely. Mitch, Mitch Hedberg was big Listen, for me. That's a, I love the old school guys like that. It's different, man. You see him up there just in a smoky room, cigarette or or, or some yak on stage, mm-hmm. and they're just that little that little weak little stool yeah, they, they sit on. They don't move around. Nope. They don't do any crazy facial uh-uh. expressions. Nope. They just tell jokes. They just tell jokes. That's it. It's and they go give you it all. I'm talking to the point where you're like your stomach hurts, your face is, your cheeks are sore, your eyes are watering. Like that's that's what I need. Yeah, uh, I'm with you too. I I do love stand up. I love stand up comedy. That's still and one of my. I mean, I I go to the improv the improv all the time in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. man. Well, obviously when they open back up, but yeah, that was one of the things I always love to do because I'm just a, a big stand up comedian guy. Like I love watching that type of stuff. Okay, best best show you've ever seen in person, real quick. Oh man. Again, in person. Remember that's that's the what I'm saying. In person, that's the kicker. It's gonna be between Gary O and uh, Pops. Ooh, John Witherspoon. Those are good yeah. ones. I think both mine would be Tom dudes, Segura. Both of those dudes were insane. Yeah. Just falling out of your chair laughing. Insane, like like, and it was totally different styles too. Because like Pops, he's giving me like too. the old school. Like that's what you love. And too. some of the stuff you're like, yo, this is hitting different right here. Yep. But then you listen to Gary O and like his whole dynamic. Yep. And, and knowing his backstory as well, it, it was just crazy, man. I think, crazy. yeah, crazy. Those are good ones for me. I think, I think probably Tom Segura, mm. maybe Sebastian Maniscalco. Morgan yeah. and I were fortunate that, like, when we were working in Philly and getting tickets, you know, she yeah. was. I've told you this before. Like, she was marketing director for one of the biggest radio stations in Philly, oh, that's nice. so she got tickets to everything. That's nice. So I mean, we've seen Kevin Hart, we've seen Jim Jeffries. Aside from Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr, like if yeah. you name them, I've probably seen them. Yes, we yes. saw John Oliver. I mean, we saw all. Co- tight, I, I said bro. Kevin Hart, right? Like we saw Kevin Hart in Philly. Like, and he's a Philly guy too. He's a Philly man. guy, but man, like Tom Segura was just—he was hilarious. Sebastian Maniscalco was hilarious. I I love stand-up comedy. Now I'm gonna go home and watch. I'm gonna throw I'm something on you, Netflix and we like. Get it's help. nothing for me to like. All right, I'm just popping some stand-up comedy, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna laugh. Mm-hmm. I want to laugh so hard, like. If if I if my stomach doesn't hurt by the time I'm done watching your stand up, then I'm just kind of like ah, I ain't gonna watch this again. But you know how many times I watched Raw Delirious? You know how many oh, times yeah. I, I've watched the Kevin Hart the the first one the um oh I'm drawing laughing a blank. my yeah, uh, yeah. no uh, seriously funny seriously With funny LeBron yes and Shaq. yes oh yeah seriously funny Morgan and I watched that a couple pain. weeks ago <laughs> like to this day I still cut them on and just go I'm just like yeah this is out of control man I love it <laughs> me too it's the best I, I do love stand up comedy and I like how this the stand up comedy scene has been getting better and better yes. in Pittsburgh man I used to miss Comic View bro I know oh man I know I know. Shout out to the DVE Morning Show, by the way. They've been a big part of uh, of co- the have. comedy scene yes, in Pittsburgh. They they've gotten have. guys like Bill Burr to come to town, yeah. and and they, uh, they've done a great job. All right, let's get into some of these. Uh, uh, we know what the people want to hear here. Is our our thoughts on their thoughts about the best Pittsburgh Steelers pass rushers? Richard says best in the AFC right now. T.J. Watt, best Steeler all time, number ninety one. Kevin Green, especially <sighs> since the Steelers man. changed defenses uh, from a four three. Two a three four. Carol says LC Greenwood with a bunch of exclamation points. Hey. And I like this one from. See, this is why it's great. We get all the different age groups. We get everything here. Uh, James says um, Kevin Green to me is like the Jim Tomey of pass rushers. Nothing against Debo, 
but at his peak, he was unstoppable. Oh, no question. Yeah, that. And we said that too. We said it's the difference between. I have spoken with a winky face. <laughs> we said it's the difference between greatest versus best. Right. Because we, we like, from Body a greatest standpoint, peak. correct. But if, if it's one game, you get one rush, I need a win right now, I'm going Kevin Green because I know for a fact when he's on his best. Debo, no matter how good he was that day, is still not going to be in that same caliber, that same vein, man. Don Juan says, Motes, I love the Aaron Smith pick. Could you imagine if he didn't tear his biceps how many Dude, sacks he would have had? It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and think about the technique. that He wasn't even using a traditional he's rush. A, he's a, he's like, a contain-the-edge kind of yeah, guy. Like, yeah, like, this is nuts. He's not just pinning his ears back and not going after all, the quarterback. Not at all, man. Not at all. Yeah. Thrash wants to know, uh, this debate makes me wonder, what kind of player Jason Worlds would have turned into? Oh, man. Worlds, my God. Jeez. Former teammate. It's funny, too. We talk about guys that, uh, that you push yourself against, right? So, obviously, Worlds went to Virginia Tech. I went to JMU. We always, like, as a JMU guy, anybody at Tech, you got an issue with. Mm-hmm. That should have been my spot. Yeah, no question. Like, dead serious. And I remember we had a chance to uh, meet each other at the Combine. And at the time, this is when he was still – I think he had just had search. He was a little smaller. But I remember we were having this conversation, and in my mind the whole time I'm sizing him up like, whatever you do here, I promise you I'm going to be better than you at. Whatever you run in the 40, I'm going to run faster. Whatever you bench, I'm going to bench more. Whatever <laughs> your vertical is, I'm going to vertical yeah. higher. Like, that was my whole mentality. And then even my fir- our first two years, and obviously we played, I mean, being in Buffalo, we played Pittsburgh regular season and preseason games. Every game, I'm trying to match with him on special teams. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, wherever he's at, he doing? I want him. <laughs> Whatever his numbers are these first two seasons, I'm going to make sure mine are better than, yeah. like, absolutely, man. But I think, dude, he, awesome. he could have been special. You talk about a guy who just was naturally gifted as a rusher. Like, it's – like, we talk about some guys who they have to work to learn how to rush the pass. We talk about Bud Dupree, Technique, right? Technique, where you're putting right. your hands, your We said, like, with, with Bud. Bud bend. is a great athlete, but it took him some time to understand and learn how to rush at this level, uh, develop moves, and get a feel for it. Whereas Worlds, Worlds never needed that. Worlds just, he could get off the bus and just know how to beat a guy. Speed, power, hesitation, inside out, violent hands. But the thing that a lot of people didn't even realize, he was just as strong as, like, a Debo. I've seen, man, you go in the weight room, you'll watch this dude lift with Debo. I'm like, yo, how are you doing that much weight right now, bro? We just got done with practice. Yeah. How? And it was just so natural to him. Like, he was just one of the most mm. physically gifted players that I've ever, ever been around. around. Like, yeah. it was crazy. And he would never get the credit that he deserves no. because of how he, he just falls, retired he right falls away. He the cracks when we have these conversations. Yeah. But, for yeah, I mean, he was – but he was one of the guys that literally, I mean, he he retired on his own. He he didn't want to do it anymore, man. Went a different route. And I can respect it even more because sure. he walked away when he, I mean, he had just got the seven, I think, $7.5 million. He was in line to get 40 or 50 when he retired. Let's be real mm-hmm. about it. And, and He got hung on for a few more years. What? Only had half of his heart in it. Dude, easily. Yep. I'm not going to lie to I appreciate him retiring because that helped give me leverage in my contract negotiation because it was the same all, it was the same season. <laughs> so it all came full circle. It, it he did. got the spot in Virginia yeah. Tech that you didn't get. But. It, it, it definitely came full circle because when, when he announced he retired because he announced it early, my whole negotiation changed. I said, oh, you ain't got anybody, huh? <laughs> it is me, retired worlds, and Debo who just came out of retirement. You better pay me. <laughs> So in that sense, I did appreciate him in that regard. But man, when I t- man, listen, that dude, super smart. Yeah, 
anything you asked of him to do from an on-field standpoint, he could give it to you. And I just think, man, if the situation or circumstance would have been different early on in his career, I think he would have – his heart would have been in it a lot more hmm. and we would have saw a more impactful player. But it was some stuff behind the scenes, man, that was going on that I think definitely gave him a bad taste in his mouth, which happens at this level because that's the political side the of it. the business of it, right? right? At, at the collegiate level, you don't have to worry about some of those things yeah. per se. yeah. Lost soul, 007. What about T.J. Watt for non-quarterback face of the NFL? He could be. Yeah. Because J.J. Yeah. Watt was for a while. Absolutely. The non-quarterback face of the NFL. So T.J. Watt certainly could be. Lost soul, 007. Hey, man, we, you, you're not lost with us. No, not at all. We, not at we, all. we, we, see. we like the lost souls. And we can all, we lost can all souls, find Lost souls, lost brothers, our lost boys, lost everything. <laughs> Last ones here, uh, as it relates to our stand-up comedy conversation, Lil J and B55 says, nothing beats Def Jam comedy. Oh, yeah, well, that's that's where the guys like the Chris Tucker. That's where they all came from. Them. Yeah, and it's, Def Jam. It's, it's amazing how you can trace back things like Def Jam comedy and other different entities like that to how so many careers got started. What, bro. I'm, like, they all got listen, started listen. doing stand-up. If you look back at Def Jam comedy, you look back at Comic View. Mm-hmm. And see how many people from there have went on to start in movies, mm-hmm. to just get to Every, just all different superstar. kinds of. Some of them all go of on them. to become television show yes, hosts, like, 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 like Ellen. Ellen yeah, started yeah. as a stand-up comedian, and look all, what she uh-huh. does now. Like, like all, a lot of them people started back then, man. Yeah. It's crazy to see them on that journey. Jim Carrey started yes, as a stand-up dude. comedian. Jim, oh, he's another guy. My God, oh, you know that's you guy. know that's my guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely another guy. And uh, Michael wants to know here, what about Anthony Jeselnik? Are you familiar with Anthony Jeselnik? He's a I Pittsburgh stand-up comedian. He's from Mount Lebanon. Seriously, I have not have to check him out. Yeah, you, he's he's a little crass, all right? So to all of our yeah. kids listening, maybe wait a few years before okay, you get to okay. Anthony Jeselnik. But he is, I think he's uh, a Mount Lebanon. You know, all those guys are Mount Lebanon guys. You know, like Mark it. Cuban, Anthony Jeselnik, Adam Crowley, I like it. Matt Williamson, all those like all those big wigs. But yeah, that's a good call by uh, by Michael there, Anthony Jeselnik, and our buddy Billy Gardell too, mm, Pittsburgh's okay, finest. Okay. Billy Gardell uh, doing big things in stand up comedy as well. I tell you what, Moats, we could do a whole two hour show on oh, our easily, favorite stand up bits easily. and comedians. And oh man, I might have to work something into three question Thursday <laughs> here later on in the week. Thanks everybody for the participation. We love it, Michael. Lil J and B, Gregory, Lost Soul, King Dussy, Harry, Don Juan, Thrash, James, Carol, Richard. If I forgot anybody, you too. You know, we, uh, Jeez, that's a long list, man. I like it. You know we appreciate it. Arthur Motes, tomorrow on the program. Uh, we never got into our division rankings of uh Oh, we didn't, so we know we gotta hit pass that. rushers. We gotta hit that. And then tomorrow on the show, we're gonna go back. You wanna go back to offense on the show tomorrow? Here's what I think we do. I think we go one of two ways, all right? We talk about best. Steelers defense ever, and I'm talking year by year. Okay. Or we do the debate that we know we have to have sometime this week. Uh-oh. Ben or Bradshaw. Which one are we doing tomorrow, Mozi? Or I guess too, we could uh, always do the we could do the running back debate too. We could do the Franco Bussy Bell See, debate. I'm not gonna lie, that running back debate different. Oh man. All right, let's do that tomorrow. We're gonna do that tomorrow? Yeah, why not? Let's do that tomorrow. We're gonna get, we gonna get the people riled up tomorrow. I can so, feel it. So I can tomorrow feel it. on the program, yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about we'll talk about best pass rushers in the AFC North. Uh huh. We'll talk about best running backs in Pittsburgh Steelers history. 
We'll also have some fun with the best of the West tomorrow on a Wednesday as well, Motsi. So we'll talk the Yins in 22 hours. This, oh, man. I already know how this is going to go tomorrow. This is crazy. I love it. I'm excited. High <laughs> noon tomorrow. And as always, you know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steeler Nation Radio.